All right, everybody, make your way back to your seat. If you could remain standing, if possible, as we read a scripture together. See you, Carlos. All right, make your way back. I love hearing the church roar. I just want to say it. I love it. My encouragement to you is go get some lunch afterwards and carry this out beyond 11.30. Okay, so if you could either stand or extend a hand of blessing as we read the scripture from Matthew chapter 6. This is Jesus addressing his disciples shortly after the Lord's Prayer, and, uh, and he gives some instruction on, on really, uh, I would say, what matters most and what we'll be focusing on today. So if you want to follow along, that'd be great. Starting verse 31. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. And this is it. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Amen. Grab a seat. Welcome home, everyone. So glad you're here. What a day. Now, I'm still getting used to California climate, but I tell you what, this temperature feels amazing. It feels like we should go outside and like have cariled apples and cider, and there should be some like hay rides right now. I know it's going to warm up, but it just feels so special. Like it's kind of a new season changing in. The fall is upon us. Well, if you don't know me, my name is David, and like Manny, Jeff, and Rebecca, I'm one of the pastors here, um, and I'm going to be just sharing from the scriptures today as we continue our series in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6. And as Pastor Jeff shared last week, we're, we're starting the fall, the season, this beautiful season of mid-70s every day. Um, we're starting it talking about prayer because out of all the spiritual disciplines, And all the practices that we have as Christians, prayer seems for many to be the hardest. And and maybe not the hardest before dinner, right? Thank you, Jesus, for this food. My daughter, River, she's four, and she prays every time we have a meal together. And maybe maybe it's not during um, times where we're worried. You know, I think... I remember when I was in my mid-20s, I'd be driving to work, and I'd just be praying. I'd say, God, please let my car make it to work today. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, if you bought a lottery ticket and you're thinking, God, I promise to give you 10%, all right, whatever it might be. So it's the, it might not be the hardest for some of those superficial sides, but, but in its intended purpose, it can be really challenging. Because, listen, prayer was never meant to be a transaction. It was never meant to be a hotline or a last resort. No, prayer is intended to be our first response to any and all life we encounter. Prayer is not tossing a message in a bottle, hoping the tide will take it to heaven for God to, with obligation open to to appease. No, prayer is a real, relational, interactive conversation between God and his people. And our God, who Jesus calls the Father, our God, this God is a good dad, and he wants nothing more than to hear from his kids. He wants to hear from you. And, and again, not, not just in the emergencies, not just in the wants or the, or the routines, but in everything. And we just heard a moment ago in Matthew 6 that Jesus, that God already knows what you need before you even know what you need. So God doesn't want to just know your petitions. God wants to know you. 
God wants to know you, but God also wants you to know him. Your father in heaven who is so deeply committed to you, your God who also happens to be the creator and sustainer of the entire universe, he wants you to know him. He wants you to know his heart and his ways and his priorities. He wants you to know his passions. He wants you to know his plans and his purposes for the world. God wants you to know that given a blank canvas, he who could have done anything with his power, God, he chose to build a world for you. He chose to build a world for you and me to call home. This is what God did. This is what God did because he loves you. And in this world that he so loves and we so destroyed through sin, God has some plans that he wants us to know about. God has some plans to restore what's broken and repair what's been damaged. God has some plans to reconcile those far off, to bring them back so we might all live together again as a family. This is the plan. And this is the thrust of what we'll be talking about today as we continue on in the Lord's Prayer. Now, there is a card that should be on your chair underneath a Lego, probably, you found, and you're wondering what's up with that. You'll find out. Um, but if you want to just grab the Lord's Prayer card off of your chair, we're all going to read it together as a family. It'll also be on the screen behind me. And so please follow along. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you're taking notes as we take a look at that verse today, verse 10, I'd like to call this message kingdom over castles. Kingdom over castles. And as I was preparing for today, I was reminded of when I was a kid, I was super into Legos. Everyone grab the Lego off your chair, or if there's not one, grab one, make sure you have one. I just wanna see it real quick. So good, right? just brings you back. Doug, I know you feel it. You're feeling good. I know. But I loved Legos because I could build whatever I wanted with them. And listen, I've come to discover that there are really two kinds of, uh, of Lego people here, as I've now lived 40 years on this planet. To, you know, I, I think that there are really two kinds of Legos people. And there are the folks that follow the directions and actually build what's on the box. My wife is one of those. I get her little boxes of like the Jurassic Park Lego sets. Or what other ones? Where are you? What other ones do you get? You get the Jurassic Park ones a lot, right? The Star Wars ones? Yeah, those are really fun too. Yeah, exactly. And so when she gets those, she sits down, she spreads out all the pieces, she looks at the book, and she meticulously follows the directions. That's one kind of Lego people. The other kind, um, really like me, more of a free spirit, I'm just going to say, um, we see the instructions and think, ah, I can do better, okay? <laughs> that pirate ship, sure, it could be cool, but I got better plans for these pieces. Don't tell me what to do. I don't know, whatever. Um, but I do remember specifically one time, my folks, they got us, uh, my brother and I, a Lego set. I was probably 
uh, like seven and he was nine-ish. And it was for Christmas. It was um, this Robin Hood theme called the Forestman's Hideout. Check this thing out. I know, real impressive, right? It's when they really turn the corner to really start to be creative. But, um, but anyway, seven or nine, you can clear that off. And, and uh, we, so we, we opened it up really excited. We spread all the pieces out, got the book out. And about 10 minutes in, I was just so bored following the instructions. So I was like, I got it. Let's just wing it. We can make it. And so we look at the box. We look at the picture on the box. And we're so excited. We try to figure out what pieces go where. We got the one by twos, the, the, the two by fours, right? We got all of it, the little trees, the flags, and and. And we made our best effort, but oh man, long story short, I got so frustrated. I got so frustrated because I didn't know where some of these pieces were intended to go. I, I knew where some would fit, but I didn't know where everything went. And what could have been this sweet treehouse eventually turned into like, seriously, a pile of bricks in the corner as I was tossing them so aggressively. Anyway, but that was me. That's my Lego vibe. I'm not a rule follower, but honestly, I, I would say, I would say that still is so much a part of my heart, far more than I'd like to admit, because deep down, I want to take my bricks. I want to take my bricks and build whatever I want. Deep down in the heart of me, I want to take my days and I want to make my own plans. I want to take my own directions to bring me wherever I want to go, don't we all? We might want the idea of a steady instruction, but when it really comes down to it, so often we like to just build our own lives and go our own way. But none of this is new. Honestly, from the very beginning, humanity has had a hard time following directions. From the very beginning, we try to build our lives with whatever we believe will satisfy the deep longing in our souls. We, we try to piece together the castles of significance and meaning and, and, and joy for our passions to dwell, but we do it so often trying to be the writers of our own story, completely bypassing the plans and blueprints we've been given, only to have these castles that we build, these structures of life crumble time and time again leaving us as a pile of broken bricks in the corner. And it's obvious. I mean, if we just opened our eyes, we turn on the news. It's everywhere we look. It's everywhere we look. Everyone going their own way, chasing what's best for them. Everybody building brick by brick their little mini empires, their castles of love and career, their castles of family, friendship, hobbies, their castles of pleasure, their castles of fame especially here in Los Angeles. You know, coming from the Midwest, I would say that the castles look very different in the Midwest than they do in the West Coast. I've, I've heard Los Angeles called the temple of dreams in the world. This is the place where people come and they chase down their greatest possible dreams no matter what might come. And this is the reality that we have. And it's obvious, doing whatever it takes to finally arrive at a life that satisfies. No show of hands, but I just wonder if anyone else here has ever chased down 
a dream only to find that it never satisfied, it never completed them, only to discover that it wasn't enough and just keep on building on the foundation of broken bricks. Still, Jesus tells us there's a better way. Jesus tells us there is a better way for those that know and are known by the good Father in heaven. Jesus says it goes back to the greater plan and purpose that he has for the world, and this is it, the better way to build your life. Verse 10, it's praying simply that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the plan that God is inviting his people into through prayer, that we would say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the better way, Jesus says, to build your life. This is the better way. But what does that, what does that mean? Because I know you've heard that before. I mean, we just recited it a couple times. I know you've heard it before, but when we pray and we ask that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done, what are we really asking for? Because when we pray before dinner, right, like, Jesus, thank you so much for this food. It's very clear. When our car is struggling on the 210 and we're praying, God, just help us make it, we know exactly what we're talking about. But when we say, God, your kingdom, may your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what are we actually getting at? And what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us as his people? Well, if you're taking notes today, I'd like to break this prayer down into three sections. I'd like to, um, I'd like to break it down into the kingdom, the will, and the earth. The kingdom, the will, and the earth. And there's a lot of kind of cross-pollination between these three points. And so as you're taking notes, just get used to the tangents, get used to the arrows, connecting dots. But I'd like to start today with the kingdom. Uh, for me, growing up, the word kingdom, it always brought back this image of the Lord of the Rings. And I love, we talked about it because Jeff is obsessed with the Lord of the Rings. And so, Pastor Jeff, I'm sorry, Pastor Jeff. Um, but it always brings me back to the Lord of the Rings. It's this exciting and like epic where these good kingdoms battle the evil kingdoms for the sake of the world. And it's absolutely brilliant, but as impressive as Tolkien's vision of kingdom was when Jesus talks about kingdom, he really takes it to the next level, to the next level. Because when Jesus says your kingdom come, he's not referring to a border on a map. He's not referring to brick walls and drawbridges over a moat. Jesus isn't talking about a temporary season of power for a family or tribe in a region or country. When Jesus says kingdom, it's multifaceted. He's talking about the literal, yes, he's talking about the literal, eternal, redemptive reign and rule of God. The literal, eternal, redemptive reign and rule of God breaking into the world. Yes, that's what he's referring to, but he's also referring to and connecting this reign and rule to a people, to a church people. So the kingdom of God is his authority as king over the world, but it's also the people, it's us living under this banner. This is the kingdom, a kingdom that Luke chapter one says has no limits and will have no end. A, a reign and rule that Revelation 21 says will make all things new and always leads to peace, a kingdom of integrity defined by the values and priorities, the heart of God, but also embodied by the behaviors of God's people. A kingdom defined by God, but embodied by 
his people. This is the kingdom. And so when we say your kingdom come, what we're essentially saying is that we acknowledge God, that you are king and we are not. When we say your kingdom come, we are saying, Jesus, we confess that you have ultimate authority, that you are king. Let our castles crumble. Let our castles crumble so your kingdom might be formed with the rubble of our best efforts. Let our self-governing rule be cast aside so the only king forever who is Jesus might have our sole allegiance. May your kingdom come around us and with us. Now back to the Lord of the Rings. I always picture this moment cinematically, right, where Gandalf the White in uh, episode two or with volume two, what do we call it? Volume two, I feel, I feel good about that. When he's up on the hill, it's at the very end, Battle of Helm's Deep, and he's on the white horse, and he's got this glowing staff, and, and there's all the bad guys, and he shows up, and he's going down, and it's like the kingdom breaking in, the kingdom of light breaking into the dark. But the reality we see from Matthew 6, verse 10, is so much better. Because when we pray, when we talk to our good Father in heaven, saying, God, your kingdom come. There is no moment too big or too small for God to break in. God wants his kingdom to be all-consuming and to penetrate every single aspect of our lives, our jobs, our families. It's not just in the evil empires. It's in all things. May your kingdom come. And we're in the story. It took this epic white wizard on a horse. God wants to use all of us. God wants to use all of us to seek first and contribute our bricks to build castles within his kingdom. Surrendering all we are to the goodness of God and the reign and rule of Christ. This is your kingdom come around us and with us. Now, second piece, the will. The will. What are we talking about? I spent some time processing this with Pastor Jeff on Thursday, reading a bunch of commentaries. We're trying to sort out, like, where's the distinction here between the kingdom and the will? How does it all work? And, and, um, and so while kingdom really refers to God's society, the society of God's people living under his reign and rule, will be done speaks more about the individual seeking and submitting to what God wants most which conveniently is his kingdom come. So it's, I know it might sound a little confusing, but it's designed to be cyclical. Two sides to the same coin of obedience and faith. His will be done is a, is a person's daily decision. Let me, let me uh, individualize this for you. His will be done is your individual daily decision and willingness to surrender to Jesus as king of your life. His will be done is your decision to surrender to Jesus as king in all things, experiencing salvation and also sanctification, the renewal and the refining of your life. His will be done grows the family of God, which then feeds the expansion of his kingdom come, which then requires his individuals, his kingdom to continue to seek his will above all else. So it's kind of this interesting circle of obedience and identity. I'm gonna seek his will first. I'm gonna be the kingdom, which then requires me to seek his will even more. God, let your kingdom come 
around us and with us, and let your will be done within us. Brings me back to Legos, because everyone has a Lego now. Kingdom come, will be done, is taking your bricks. Everyone put your brick in the air if you can. I just need to see it. It feels good, doesn't it, to hold these? You can take whatever are left over too, okay, if you want to build something. Kingdom come, will be done, is taking your bricks and then opening up the instructions for what to build and how to build and where to build. Following the instructions is his will be done. And so what comes when we contribute all our materials, all our bricks, all our lives to his will be done, that's his kingdom come. When we open the instructions, your will be done. When we contribute our lives following his instructions, that's kingdom come. That's kingdom come. The output of our lives surrendered to his direction. Sounds awesome, but let's be honest. Uh, way easier said than done, right? To surrender all of us to the reign and rule of God. It's super hard because we're all really selfish, even the best of us. We're all just so selfish. We all want to be the architect, but rarely do the building. We all want to say, yeah, that's where I want my life to go, but, but rarely are we willing to follow another's lead to get there. If we're honest, I think the majority of us, actually, I don't want to speak this over you. I'm just, just confession time from platform. I think that the, the majority of the time, I would probably naturally pray, our Father in heaven, I believe you're real, but let my kingdom come. Let my will be done so I can have what I think will bring me happiness. And I don't want to speak that over you. I'm just speaking on behalf of myself. It's so easy to get wrapped up in what we think will satisfy. It's so easy to get wrapped up in what we think will complete us. It's so easy to build our little castles outside the walls of God's kingdom, outside of the reign and rule of God's kingdom. But Jesus knows our tendencies. Jesus knows that we have a tendency to make it all about us. He knows how self-involved we can be. I mean, he saw it play out in the garden, right? Adam and Eve. It has been since the beginning. So he gets it. Jesus gets it. But he also loves us like crazy. And he knows how destructive this self-involved, self-governing life can be. Which is why he emphasized this instruction in verse 10. To surrender to God every time we pray. To refocus our hearts and minds on what's true. That Jesus is king and we are not. But this good king, this good father in heaven, he loves you, literally loves you to death. And that's why it's his kingdom coming and not ours. That's why it's his will be done and not ours. But he still wants to use our lives of obedience to his will to help carry and expand this kingdom. Not for later, not for like a thousand years from now in eternity, but here and now which is where our final piece today kind of kicks in, the earth here. Because it's on earth. It's on earth that his kingdom will finally come for good. And maybe this is news for you as you've been in church and you're like, oh, can't wait until heaven when we're up in these clouds and we've all got the harps and the little, what are those things, the little diapers on? I don't know. No one wants, that's not heaven for anyone, okay? But what we see but we see his kingdom coming for good. We see it here in Revelation chapter 21. It'll be on the screen. This is just an amazing picture that will open your eyes for what is to come. It says this, 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. Sea, in this passage, um, it stands for, or it speaks to chaos, uncertainty, the former things. Verse 2, And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God, out from heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. His will be done for good. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, no more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And this is it. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. This is the end that's promised for those who believe. The kingdom come for good. God and people living together again forever. No more pain, no more crying, no more death, no more sorrow. The former things are gone because Jesus is sitting on the throne and he is making all things new. And this is the picture of kingdom come. Kingdom come that Jesus is telling us to pray for. Not in some distant cloud city, but here and now. This is the reality that Jesus is asking us to pray for every time we pray that your kingdom would come. Revelation chapter 21 would infest the earth just like it is in heaven, on earth today in our midst, just like it will be in eternity. Jesus is telling us to pray for his reign and his rule to cover the earth. But he's also telling us to be his kingdom, to embody his reign and his rule upon the earth, that we would live like the end is here, that we would carry what God is like, the culture of heaven wherever we are, and allow his will to be done in every single part of our lives. And this is Matthew 6.10. Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come around me and with me. Your will be done within me, just like it is in eternity. Just like it is in eternity. Now, with all that said, as we close today, Rebecca, if you want to come back up and get ready to lead us in this last song, that said, I just wonder for you, in your life, if you were able to see all your bricks, all your moments, all your memories, all your passion, every part of your life, if you were able to see them all laid out before you, where would you find them? What would you be building? Are they found under the reign and protection of the kingdom of God, or are they like my seven-year-old Lego said, are they just kind of scattered in the corner after another collapse? You know, and, and maybe you're like me. I don't know what everyone brings to the, to the church today, but if you're anything like me, you know, the Spirit's within me. I'm following Jesus, but, but I've still got this castle, this old life that's still begging for my attention. All these areas that I've invested in outside of God's reign and rule in my life, and 
So I just wonder what castles or kingdom you're building with your days, because we all have these bricks. We all got them. But we only have so many. We all have these bricks, but we only have so many to build with. And so where are you putting your passions? Where are you putting your days? Where are you putting your talents? Where are you finding your hopes and your dreams? Where are you investing in what you care about the most? Because as church people, as the good fathers, kids, we have a kingdom that is available to us. We have a kingdom that's available that will never fail. We have a hope that will never be shaken. We have a kingdom that, is, that will reign for all of eternity, and our God wants to give us what we need, and he already knows what we need. But we need to begin to see our days. We need to begin to see our bricks. We need to be able to see our lives with fresh eyes. Because God wants to give purpose to your passions. God wants to use them to show the world what he is like. God wants to use everything about you, your past, your present, and your future, to build and expand his kingdom here, just like it is in heaven. And this is the life that we're called to live. This is the better way to build. It's one of uniqueness, but, under the, but united under the banner of Jesus, taking your bricks, your life, everything about you, to build something beautiful, together, not for your glory, but, for, but so others might see God in you. So back to our opening scripture, for, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and commit all your castles to your Lord. Seek first the kingdom and he will give you what you need. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come around me and with me. Your will be done within me on earth, here and now, as it is in eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We ask that you would just.